TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to a place of wellness and healing for both your body and mind. Get ready to live a happy, healthy, whole food life that totally rocks. You're listening to Shiny Healthy You, the straight-talking natural health show for busy women, with your host and naturopath, Jules Galloway. Today's guest is a personal trainer, a health coach, and a seriously kick-ass cook. You may have seen him around. Shut up. I'm doing the intro. <laughs> oh, sorry. But you may have seen him on TV a few years back, absolutely killing it on My Kitchen Rules alongside partner in crime and almost Byron Local, Luke Hines. You might have even uh, had one of their amazing recipe books on your shelf at home if you have a bit of a look. These days, he can be found sharing his passion for healthy food in books, on TV, on his podcast, and even in person. Yep, he does cooking classes. We first crossed paths at the Sample Food Festival in Bangalore quite a few years back, where I was part of the team that served up a three-course healthy raw food lunch for 80 people. I was on dessert, and I had to smash out 80-something serves of his raw cheesecake recipe, no pressure, right? So it's exciting to connect again for a chat in a slightly more laid-back environment where I'm not sweating my butt off. Please welcome to Shiny Healthy You, the yeah. very lovely Scott Gooding. Yeah! Oh, hey, what a, an amazing intro. Oh, thank I couldn't you. have written that better myself. <laughs> you can just put How it in are you, your Jules? pocket and, and I'll introduce you every week. <laughs> yeah. I'm the worst at... Um, I'm not very good at uh, self-promoting, and I and I, I don't know what I actually do. So <laughs> when I meet people and they say, you know, nice to meet you, what, what is it you do? I just fumble and because I, I don't actually I know do. what I do. I don't have like a definitive. I'm not, you know, I can't say I'm an accountant or I'm a bus driver because I do lots of lots of odd things. I know I sit in the health and fitness arena but i don't really have any specific job so thank you for that intro that kind of i might have to uh have to run run over that again and memorize it it was great no i'll cut and paste it and send it to you mate <laughs> yeah thank you <laughs> scott you've been a bit of a multi-passionate entrepreneur i think that's actually the correct term next time right right <laughs> multi-passionate entrepreneur okay yeah yeah, portfolio <laughs> entrepreneur, I think, is the other latest buzzword that they like to throw around. What is it? Uh, portfolio entrepreneur. Yeah, basically. Portfolio entrepreneur. Yeah, do different things. I do lots of different things. Okay. Yeah. I think I'd just, somebody would just roll their eyes if I said that to them. I reckon. Just say I make I food. I make food. <laughs> Yeah, okay. Yeah. So, look, you, you have been working on lots of really cool stuff since I saw you last. So, can you give us a quick rundown of what you've been up to lately? Yeah. Um, well, I'm fortunate enough to work with uh, a few brands, Australian brands, so that sort of sit in the, the, the food space and the health space. So I work with Hume Salmon down in Tasmania. Uh, I work with an organic, um, fresh bone broth company. I also work with Thrive, so I design Thrive's online ready-made meals. Um, and I also work with Body Science, and I'm the ambassador for Whirlpool. So that, that sort of ticks the, the, the work that I do on the brand sort of side. But then my own business, 
I used to be a PT, as you mentioned in the intro, but I actually gave that up. Um, I didn't want to correct you when you were in full flow, but I gave that up <laughs> uh, middle of last year to sort of focus more on, I guess, more on the, the cooking side, the nutrition side, the education side. So I've actually got a couple of um, platforms that are going to be uh, coming live this well, one's going to be live at the end of this week, which is very exciting. It's called the Real Food Instinct, and it's a celebration of just that, real food, paddock to plate. There'll be a little bit of health, a little bit of fitness, but essentially it's a, a food-based website. Awesome. Uh, and, and then the goal, which has been a long-term goal of mine, is to have an online platform. Um, so I'm... It's been in my head for about five years, but now it's starting to come to fruition. I've got some amazing contributors on board. And so that's kind of where I'm heading in terms of my own products over the next sort of six to 12 months, going online uh, and really sort of really trying to help people. There's a number of ways you can help people, but I think Helping them overcome their barriers to living a healthy lifestyle is first and foremost. So within my program, I've engaged uh, a mind, uh, sorry, a mindfulness coach. I've engaged a um, a psych, so a PhD psychology person to kind of really help people um, get past the barriers that you know most of us have to living a healthy lifestyle, and then. Below that will sit all my beautiful recipes that are you know, easy, simple, affordable, and delicious. So I think that combination of getting your mindset right plus um, you know, easy, delicious recipes will be a happy union to help people become healthy. Yeah, because without the mindset, people don't stick to the changes that they make quite often, do they? Well, this is it. I think, I think, um, I think this is the sticking point. I think, you know, it's not just Australia, it's it's worldwide, but if it was as simple as following a healthy meal plan or working out three or four times a week, then we'd all do it. But the the simple fact is that it's not that easy and the the sticking point is the psychology, it's the mindset. So, you know, and that takes time. You've got to unlearn poor or bad behavior patterns around food and self-esteem you've got to learn new ones which takes takes time so um you know i I genuinely want to help people and i think addressing that mindset is the key i genuinely want to help people in that once they get to the end of my program there's no need to bunny hop to someone else's and be on this perpetual merry-go-round with you know, moments of success and weight loss and improvements in well-being, but then you kind of circle back around and present with the same problems that you you started with. I think getting that psychology right and the mindset and the mindfulness is, in my mind, that that takes precedence over training, takes precedence over nutrition. You can only do the training and the nutrition once you've got got your got your mind right. I believe. Yeah. So true. So, so, so true. You're right. Because otherwise it's like two steps forward, one step back and jump, like you said, jumping from program to program. I've seen that a lot in the industry. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, well, you know, being, being a personal trainer for 12 years, um, so, so seeing my clients sort of, 
you know, have moments of success and then, you know, I might go away on holiday or they might get injured and they'll revert back to, you know, the where they were before they engaged a trainer or, or a dietitian or whatever it is. So you have to get, you have to drill down a little bit deeper and it is a psychology. Otherwise, people are just spinning their wheels. And I've, I've seen it with, as I say, I've seen it with past clients. I've seen it with friends that they just jump from, you know, book to book to program to program, online programming. And it's no fault of the program. Like it's, you know, they, they each, each one has its merits and it's possible to have success within the program. But my concern is once the program finishes, are you empowered yeah. enough? Do you have the tools? Do you have the, the right mindset to then, you know, walk through life making healthy choices? Um, yeah, so, so for me, that the psychology is the most important thing. So that sits at the top of my tree and everything else sort of sits in behind that. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's actually sort of my goal um, over the next few months to get that online. Uh, the goal is to tie in with a, a, a book, not a book tour, a, um, a little mini tour with Dr. Terry Walls, who I'm, I'm lucky enough to be on stage with in a few months, and I, and I really want to have it live um, when I go on tour with her yeah. just to sort of po- point people in in the direction of, um, you know, a bit of a, a health solution. Oh, and Terry's amazing. That That's going to be the best tour, the best. Yeah, I've, you know, it's a real privilege that I've been asked. Uh, I've been following her and admiring her for, for a long time. So it's going to be... It's going to be quite nerve-wracking, I'm sure, because um, <laughs> I'm I'm terrible when when I admire someone, and I'm sure if this is a, the same the world over. When I have admiration for someone, I get quite. It sort of unnerves me, like it kind of um, is that the right word? Unnerves, but it, it unsettles me. Like it, it get, I get off guard, and I sort of stumble on my words and. So I might have to do some uh, some breathing before I meet her and before I go on stage or else I'll make a right idiot of myself. <laughs> <laughs> and well, this amazing op- this amazing opportunity I thought it was could you know you know could be a fucking nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> well, if anyone's listening to this podcast and you go along to the tour, like just go <laughs> Yeah, cut me some slack. Little, give him a little hug in the break, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Now, you must be a big fan of, of Dr. Walls. Yeah, absolutely. And I believe she's speaking at a naturopathic conference that I'm going to while she's over here. So, yeah, I'm pretty right. excited about that too. Yeah, I remember seeing her TED Talk, um, yeah, maybe, I don't know, five or six years ago now. Um, and she just rocked my world. I was like, this is, you know, this is next level. She was talking about, for anyone that hasn't heard it or seen it, I suggest you devote 14 minutes of your of uh, your day today to have a have a little listen. It's great. It's called um, something about mitochondria. I forget the exact title, but anyway. Yeah, I'll find she, it. And I'll uh, pop a link in the show notes actually because it's yeah, it yeah, is. Really it's well, it's well worth a listen or a, or a watch. It's only you know TED Talks are short. They're only 17 minutes or 14 minutes. Yep. But she 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 sort of I won't give too much away, but she goes on this journey of being you know a uh, black belt 
taekwondo sort of expert and researcher and then she gets diagnosed with MS and then sort of deteriorates in health very rapidly. Um, but then through real food and manipulating her macros kind of reverses her symptoms to the point where she's asymptomatic and she's kind of got rid of all her lesions in her, in her spine and in her, in her head and, and now has devised a, a protocol to live by for optimal health. And then she tours the world and, and speaks about it. Yeah. So obviously yeah, she like, literally got out of a wheelchair like this. Yeah. She was in a wheelchair when she when she started all these changes. Yeah. And so yeah. she she identified certain minerals uh that people with certain conditions such as Alzheimer's and MS and um Parkinson's were deficient in and so set about getting supplements that that um helped lift all these deficiencies and then decided to take a next level and decided to get those supplements or those minerals through real food and so she's just this huge advocate for you know eating real food and that and that's kind of when you boil it all down is exactly what I do maybe that, that's what I need to say when people say what do you do yeah encourage yeah. people to eat real food <laughs> yeah <laughs> which is you know like Joke, joking apart, that is what I do, and I'm very passionate about that, and I'm very lucky to be in this position where I, I can talk about it, and I can I can write about it, um, yeah. because I think once we, I think people have lost touch with cooking for themselves and their family at home, but once you make it, because it, you know we're all busy and it's the age of convenience, it's so bloody easy to, to dial in food or to grab something cheap and easy on the way home but but i think the crux is if you start cooking at home and get excited about cooking at home um then you know exactly what's in your food what's in your you know your daughter your son your partner's food and then you can start to optimize health but you can only do that if you're excited about cooking and so i hope to to be that uh, be that solution for people. Make make simple, familiar, comforting food easy and delicious and exciting. And to me, you do that through. I've, I've just written a book, Jules, and and I dedicate a big part of that to uh, talking about real food. And and we all know we should eat real food. Like that's you know I'm not reinventing the wheel here, but. Why is it that we don't? And there's a number of factors that contribute to that. But what are the simple, easy hacks to make cooking at home really sexy and enticing? And they're so simple that you'll probably sort of go, oh, yeah, well, that's obvious. Oh, yeah, well, that's obvious. But the fact that most people aren't doing it, maybe there is a a need to remind people. So, Oh, there's definitely a need to remind people, like, not just about food, but even about lifestyle and taking their supplements or whatever it is. Like I, I, I always have this little in joke with my patients that they sit down, they pay me, and then they tell me what they need to do. <laughs> it's yeah, like, right. And then it's like they just need it mirrored back to them. They just need to be yeah. reminded. So they sit down and they'll say, and I'll say, how have you been feeling? Oh, yeah, I've been feeling really tired. Oh, why do you think that might be? And they'll say, oh, well, I have been eating 
a lot more dairy and sugar than I used to. And I know that we've done tests and I'm dairy intolerant. And, and I'm like, so you sit right. down, you pay me all this money and then you tell me what you need to do. And I said, you know what I'm going to say, don't you? And they're like, stop the dairy. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so it's always, it's just like they yeah, need well, to keep, keep it front of mind, keep hearing it over and over. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I talk about this in the book too, that we all know that we should eat more veggies. Like that's, we've been, that's been hammered, a message been hammered for a long, long time, but we don't. Yeah, yeah. And you just need reminding and you need to make veggies exciting because, you know, let's face it, a bowl of, you know, blanched broccoli or <laughs> boiled Brussels isn't appealing, you know. But how ha- ha- how do you bridge that gap between boiled Brussels um, and exciting Brussels? And it, it's it's so easy, Jules. Um, I'm sure your household is is kicking it in that regard. But for yeah. a lot of us, it it's it's not on the landscape, and it's uh, to the detriment of our health, unfortunately. Yeah, but like cooking comes naturally to me. I can just whip stuff up from a seemingly empty pantry. But like my husband, on the other and he can't like he needs a recipe he needs yeah. steps. he needs quantities like the other last night i was i had a, a conference call around dinner time so i kind of left dinner in his capable hands and i just chucked, like <laughs> i just chucked like the jar of dijon mustard the bottle of balsamic and the bottle of olive oil on the bench and i went there you go make a dressing for the salad and he kind of mm. he looked at me and i'm like you can do it <laughs> and he did you can google it <laughs> he did but it would have been a lot more it would have been a lot less stressful had i said one teaspoon of mustard you know two teaspoons of olive oil a tablespoon do you know what i mean it would have been a lot easier if i'd left him a little but, but does, quantities but, but does he enjoy it does he enjoy the process or the creative side of it no no scott no 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 yeah well that's <laughs> That's it, I reckon. So if you if you enjoy something, so if you get excited about being in the kitchen, and I don't mean like you're, you know, jumping up and down and clicking your heels, but you know, it's not a place of dread and like, oh fuck, I've got to make myself something. But if you genuinely enjoy it, then then you you can afford yourself some freedom around like trialing ingredients, and I think it's great to to read a recipe, but over time you sort of you start, like there's a level of int- intuition that starts to build, you know, you know what spices go with which which meats, what fats marry nicely with proteins and you start to get an understanding of, of the nuances of, of, of flavours. And so until that point comes, until people start enjoying being in the kitchen, then it will always be this place of resistance. Yep. And you know what else? I think he gets scared to fail at, like, you know how you said play around with the Oh, he's a man, Jules. Uh, yes, yeah, I know. So, you know. We, we all have that. <laughs> so maybe, maybe it comes down to whether you're willing to sort of go out on a limb and try new flavour combinations and try adding ingredients creatively, but you have to be willing to fail. You have to be willing to go... Yeah, maybe those two things but, won't go together. Yeah, t- totally. Yeah, I won't do that again. Mm. Um, note to self. But you, but, <laughs> note to self and family, I won't be doing that again. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? Like, even the failures 
nine times out of ten they're going to be edible. Yeah, they might not hit hit the mark, but they're they're going to be edible. Yeah. Um, but I mean, you, I mean that's part of life. Like in all aspects, it's all about the failings and learning from that. And I don't think cooking's any different. I think we've all I've stuffed up. <laughs> I, the, the times that I stuff up is when I'm not enjoying it. I reckon. Uh-huh. Um, um, I'm cooking for others, or there's pressure, or you know, when you've got when you've got time up your sleeve, and you know you've got a good podcast on, or you're listening to your favorite album, like it, you just create, and it's it's relaxing, it's meditative, it's cathartic. I think being in the kitchen. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I like I like that. Put yeah, seriously, put music on, put podcast on, do it. Yeah, yeah. That, I, I think I talk about this in the book. Like make make the kitchen an area that you want to go in and spend some time in. So if, if that means you know treating yourself to a nice new chopping board or some beautiful knives or some new pans or taking in your Yui uh, boom or whatever it is, like just make an environment. Just tee yourself up for success, basically. So if you if you need shiny new pots and pans, then go and get them. If, if I went, I, I cooked at my my girlfriend's house several weeks ago and using her knives. I I don't know how the girls in the household are able to cut anything. They're so <laughs> blunt, and it's like that would that would stop me. They're better off using a fucking wooden spoon. <laughs> But that that sort of thing would stop me going into the kitchen. So I reckon, you know, there, there'd be lots of little things like that for people uh, or they don't have the right equipment or I don't know. Just just make it, look, tee yourself up for success, I reckon. So, you know, get the right equipment. It doesn't have to be expensive. You know, put a poster of, I don't know, someone hot up on the wall on your fridge. <laughs> 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 you know, Brad Pitt from Fight Club or something. I don't know. I'm probably showing my age there. No, I think that's the same age as me, mate. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Nice. It's easy look good. Yeah. And and uh, it's Matilda, isn't it, your girlfriend? Um, yes. Uh, if you're listening to this, you're getting a chef's knife for Christmas, clearly. <laughs> no, I, I gave her a, a set of knives already. I've done that. Oh, <laughs> you're a good man. <laughs> Yeah. All right. That, that was like week first week present. Yeah, yeah. If I'm going to be here, here's your knives. It's an us. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's not necessarily for you. It's for when I come over. Hmm. Um, yeah, cooking. Yeah. Matilda, it's the gift that keeps on giving, darling. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> All right. Let's let's talk a bit more about the food. Well, I want to get into a bit of food hmm. philosophy with you because. You went through a time when you were really into paleo, and so did I. Yes. Uh, and it seems you've moved on a little. Can you tell me where you're at now with your food philosophy? Yeah, lamingtons. I can't get enough of them. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, there was definitely a time where I was flying the paleo flag. And are you still there? Can you hear me? Yep. 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 Uh, I thought you just snipped off for a cup of tea or something. No, no, I was just letting um, you talk. This is what a good podcast okay. was. <laughs> okay. I always sorry, like sorry, to jump sorry. in. T- tell me fin- Finish their sentences for them. Um, 
yeah, definitely. There was a period a number of years ago where I was flying the the paleo flag hard and sort of was lucky enough to do some you know talks to people and present and. I was finding, I was hearing myself mid sort of presentation being, oh, I don't like the sound of my own voice. I sound very dogmatic. I sounded very black and white. You know, if you eat these certain types of foods, then, you know, you're lining yourself up for disease and ill health. You know, you need to eat these food. It became, I could hear myself. I was like, and sort of through social media, you kind of get, because you end up polarizing people, so you either get devotees or you get people who who just go, no, that's too hard, too hard basket, it's too extreme. Yeah. And so I've learned over the last, probably last three or four years, two or three maybe, to sort of soften the message. So now I don't talk about, actually, yeah, I don't talk about the foods that I believe between you and I cause ill health. Um an inflammation I because by doing that you kind of you do polarize so if okay if we're talking about there are certain foods so let's let's say you know fruit loops I believe fruit loops could would be inherently bad for your health no that's a bad example let's talk about food <laughs> food groups <laughs> But yeah, you know I mean, I'm talking about food groups that people have eaten. What I'm trying to get to is, I'm talking about if I was to demonise a certain food group, that person, that Australian, might have been eating that since birth. You know, 10, 15, 30, 40, 50 years. And so to say overnight that you've got to get rid of that, you've got to get, you know, you've got to put that on the shelf, get that out of your diet, is quite alarmist. So rather than focusing on the foods that um, cause ill health. I don't talk about those, but over on the other side, there's an abundance of foods, real food, fresh produce, and Australia is amazing at this. Uh, and so I sing about that, and that those are the foods that I try and to I try to make sexy and enticing because then you start to get eyes looking over at those types of foods rather than focusing on the foods on the other end of the seesaw. If that makes sense. It's Sorry, almost I've, like you're crowding I've, I've out the butchered, crab. <laughs> I, I butchered that explanation, but no, no, no. Um, we're, we're still with you, mate. We're so, still with you. But it's like okay. you're crowding out the bad stuff by just distracting people over towards the good stuff. Correct. Yeah, yeah. You you make you make all this beautiful fresh produce. You make that sexy, enticing, delicious, glittery. Do whatever you need to do, and it. You're exactly right. It just takes the it takes the focus off the other foods and there might be an ingredient over here in the fresh produce um, basket that you know I'm cooking with that you may never have, have seen before or cooked before or there might be a pairing that you, you you haven't come across before but if honestly if you make it if you make it look good people are willing to give it a go which are, which is I found so when when you strip it all back my my message hasn't changed, but my delivery has. So uh, I'm less yeah. my, I'm less dogmatic. So I don't want people to switch off. I want to I want to talk to everybody. Uh, so I'm less dogmatic. Um, and I guess me personally, I'm probably less anal about it. 
So that's helped to sort of shape my delivery of the message. So I'm, you know, I, there was a point if somebody asked me out for or asked me over for dinner, which, to be honest, yours that hardly ever happens anymore because I don't know why, but, <laughs> uh, but, but, you know, and, and serve me up a salad and it might have lentils in or black beans. I would literally pick around it, and I was like, that's. And that's probably why people stopped asking me out because I became this, like, pain in the ass to have for dinner. But now I'm like, oh, beautiful. Somebody's made me a beautiful salad. I'm going to eat every single morsel, you know. So I'm personally less less rigid with with what I put in my mouth. Um, But that being said, you know, you'll never see me eating candy floss or, you know, a shitty bar of chocolate. Like, you know, the... When I sort of deviate from the track, it's it's foods that are sort of non-paleo, but you know things like lentils and legumes and maybe a bit of dairy. Like, oh my god, you know. rice! Do you eat rice, Scott? <laughs> well, he, here's here's the thing. Like, I'm I'm lean. I'm naturally lean. So, as most guys who are lean, they they want to they want to put on mass, and so for me. I, I'll use carbohydrates uh, to help me put on weight. Um, so, yeah, I've, there are times that I'll, you know, if I go out for a curry with my son, which we quite often do, you know, I'll, I'll have some rice. It doesn't, you know, I won't lose sleep over it. I won't, you know, feel guilty like I would have done, you know, a few years ago. Yeah, yeah, because guilt causes stress. Stress causes elevated cortisol. Elevated cortisol is going to mess with your digestion. Game over. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, and talking about guilt, I sort of going off subject a bit. Um, like we've got this strong attachment in Australia and, and most of the world, to be honest, that exercise and working out is a solution to health. And so if you don't exercise, you feel guilty, you feel shit about yourself, um, you know, it leads to, you know, guilt and poor self steam all the rest of it whereas um my message over the last sort of few years has been nutrition and is the solution to health not saying that exercise doesn't have merit it most certainly does but i think we all need to sort of detach that really strong attachment that we have to exercise and working out being a solution to not only health but to weight management yeah running off your chocolate yeah exactly it's just it's bit of a negative negative space that one um yeah because exercise like, then becomes the penance for the food that you want to eat yeah um yeah I, I think i think we've got it a misshapen idea of of the best best path to or the most efficient path to to health i think you can afford yourself you know fucking don't, don't train don't train and invest all that time and energy in shopping down the correct supermarket aisles and cooking at home. I think your body will love you more for it is, uh, is what I believe. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's coming from someone who's trained all their life, but I, I, I've now got to an age, I guess, and a certain level of maturity that, you know, I, ju- I just train now with so little ego and it's literally for a mood enhancer. So I'll go to the gym um, to feel good, not to 
keep my weight in check to, you know, ensure that I'm healthy because I'll do that through another pathway and that pathway is cooking and, and, and food. Uh, yeah. And I think, I think, I don't know, I kind of like that message. I think it's, it's valuable. I think lots of people walk around the streets today so caught up in, in guilt and shame and, um, and it's all self-imposed because they, they haven't been to the gym for a while and, uh, you know, their runners getting, getting a bit dusty and it's like <laughs> rid, rid yourself of that shit because it's negative. Like just embrace cooking at home and, you know, making delicious food for you and your family. Yep. And then if you do that, you'll probably have more energy to dust off the runners and at least go for a walk. Yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm definitely not saying uh, don't exercise, but don't have the don't place the gravity on it that it will be the solution to to your weight management or your health because it, it won't. Yeah, yeah, so true, so true. Because, like, we eat three meals a day, most of us, so that's where the focus needs to be. Yeah, yeah, and um, I don't know. Do you, do you, do you cook with your family, Jules? Um, we, Do they get stuck in the kitchen to help you? Sometimes, yeah. Like with the with the in laws, I know my mum in law loves cooking with me, uh, and we also have a couple of close friends that come over for dinner, usually uh, one night a week, and we call it family night. And um, hmm. yeah, they we all gather around the island bench, and you know sometimes they pitch in, or sometimes I like to just cook but have them sort of around so that I can like they can taste bits as I go. Yeah. Because I do, I love I love cooking for people as well. When when there's no pressure, when it's relaxed and chilled, and we've got a glass of wine in our hands or whatever. Uh, but yeah, I love that gathering around in the kitchen kind of thing. And I don't have a large family, so yeah, I often do it with friends instead. I, I think that's a really important point. Like sort of circling back around to what I was saying about making the kitchen a happy place, a happy environment to like sort of then foster your creativity and you know love for the kitchen and cooking i think getting friends and family around even if it's once a week like that that's really powerful stuff you know yeah it really feeds that that uh positive uh reinforcement about you know the delights the the fun the love of cooking at home yeah, and it's it's so much fun and we usually start with some text messages earlier in the day about who's going to bring what ingredients, like someone else will be on uh, snacks so that we've got something, you know, like even if it's just like celery it's a nibble uh, on. Dip yeah. and, and dip and someone else will be on dessert and we'll usually bring over some raw chocolate or something and I'll always yeah. be on main. Like I'm just like, yeah. I'm doing main, that's it, that's my gig. And, um, yeah. and it's fun because there's always a bit of a chat about who's bringing what and who's making what and, you know, what are you making, what, what colour wine should I bring or whatever. And, yeah, yeah. It, does, it makes it like a really beautiful kind of celebration every time. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I love that. I think that's a really um, – I reckon that's really potent in terms of sort of fostering that love of the kitchen. Love doesn't of everyone chef. do that? Everyone should do that. I didn't know everyone doesn't do that. Everyone, well, if I'm that. honest, I don't. I don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, if you live closer, you'd get an invite to family night. <laughs> um, yeah, my my family is over in the UK. Um, yeah, a bit far yeah, to go. Um, once a yeah, week. but but having said that, you know, I, I lived with a couple of people, and you know, we'll sort of take it in turns to cook, and 
I don't know. There's something really. I think it's in our DNA, on a really primal level, to share food together. Yep. And I love it. Whether I'm cooking or my flatmates cooking or we're all cooking, there's something very special about placing those bowls of share plates in the middle of the table and all sitting around. Like, yes. and I think if you can do that, wow, then I like once a fortnight or once a week as you do or, or more frequently, I think that'll be a really positive push in the right direction about getting people excited about cooking again. Yep. Love it. Let's bring back the family yeah. night. Let's do yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Unless your fucking family stinks and then. No, in well, then case, you just you know, like your own family. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's you it. That's your family you know. for family night. It doesn't have to be actual family. Yeah. Chances are you're better off, you know, <laughs> choosing your own family. <laughs> uh, yeah, that can happen. <laughs> <laughs> all righty now we can't have this conversation without talking about your book too i know i've 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 thrown you a few bones there jules i've I've mentioned i mentioned it half a dozen times (laughs) all right scott tell us about the book now oh thanks for asking we've talked all about the real food but now we're going to sort of go a little more hardcore than what we were just kind of talking about though isn't it because sorry say that again jules you broke up a little bit that's all right. It's a little, your book's a little bit more down a different, slightly more hardcore path, shall we say. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. It, it, it is and it isn't. So if you go by the title, then I guess you're led to believe that it's a bit more hard, hardcore. So the title is The Keto Diet. So for those who are listening or are unfamiliar with keto, it's a metabolic pathway where you're uh, metabolizing fat as a primary fuel source and it's all very natural it's what we've been doing for millennia uh, arguably if we didn't have the capacity to to switch to fats or burn fats as a fuel source we probably wouldn't be uh, here today uh, so if you go by the title it might sound a bit sort of full-on but Upon reading it, you'll get an understanding of where I'm coming from. And I'm not suggesting you be in ketosis. So, yeah, being ketosis all the time. It's not, it's not necessary. It's not practical. And it's very, it's very difficult in this current landscape. It's doable. But for me, the book is all about inflammation. So there's, there's various pathways and mechanisms and tools and tricks that you can embrace to minimize systemic inflammation. Because systemic inflammation is the, the root cause or a cornerstone for ill health or disease. So yep. anything and weight you gain. can do. And weight gain. Oh, 100%. Like oh. It's, yep. it, it's amazing. Like I, I've, as I'm sure you have, like you go to all these um, you know, medical symposiums and health symposiums and you get these amazing doctors and researchers talking about whatever it could be coronary heart disease it could be cancer it could be alzheimer's and the common thing that they end up talking about when they trace back that condition to its root cause is simply inflammation so for me i mean if i had my way i wouldn't have called it the keto diet i would have there would have been inflammation in there but you know 
the sales the sales department of, of uh, the publication house decided to to call it keto and, and that's fine. Well, it is a buzzword at the moment and it does. It is. Yeah. It and, is. and if people buy it because they were drawn to the title and then what's inside is all about inflammation, I mean, job done. Yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. So it's, um, <clears throat> I start off talking about, which I feel is a necessary, or I felt is a necessary part of the, the picture. I start talking about how we got to today in terms of the current health landscape and in terms of the current food landscape and the two sort of go hand in hand but it, it sort of walks you through the history of uh, the sugar industry the history of um, industrialized food and so you know you get to sort of midway through chapter two and you go right I now understand how you know we haven't always we haven't always had this health epidemic. We haven't always lived in this current food landscape. There was a time before both those things. So I feel like it's really necessary to have that understanding of how we got here today. Yeah, how we lost but our then, way. How we lost our way, exactly. And then from then on in, I don't talk about, because within that first one and a half chapters, it's, it's inevitable that I talk about those certain food groups that, we all kind of know that are inherently bad for us. So I touch on those. And then from then on in for the remainder of the book, I just talk about, you know, that sort of the other end of the seesaw with all the real food, all the fresh produce. I, I, I hammer that point. Uh, and so the foundation has to be real food. And then once you, once you're comfortable about, cooking and living, eating real food, then you start to adjust your macros. And then once you start to adjust your macros, then you can start to play with being in ketosis. So to get into ketosis, you need a very low-carb intake. Um, and the sort of literature is sort of between about 30 and 40, maybe 50 for some people, of net grams of carbohydrate. Or you can get there through, through fasting. Um, but once you're in ketosis, there are certain, there are a number of sort of life enhancing processes that take place that will improve health, well-being, longevity, and I believe it's advantageous to be in that state, whether you get there through low carb intake or through fasting uh, during you know certain periods of the year, yeah. and so. So I, I sort of I sort of build uh, this sort of invisible pyramid, if you like. So the base and the foundation is all about real food, and as you climb up the pyramid, I start to talk about uh, manipulating your macros, uh, and that includes you know looking at your protein. I think Australians all eat way too much protein. We're such a barbecue nation. Uh, we could probably all do with sort of tapering that down a little bit. Um, so I start talking about manipulating macros and then as we get towards the top of the, the pyramid, I start talking about exercise and training and how that can be, you know, it, there's a tipping point where, um, you know, you, you can have training that elicits life-enhancing properties or if you train uh, too much or it's the wrong prescription, then you're going to feed that inflammation cycle. 
Uh, and then I talk about sub smart supplementation. I talk about hacks and tricks and all collectively in a bid to minimize, reduce inflammation in our system. Yeah. It sounds so different in, in like as a keto, you know, you call it the keto diet, but as an approach mm. in general, it's so different to like the keto diets that were around a little while back. Like I did a keto diet in the nineties and mm. far out. It was full on. Like it was back when I was dancing and I needed to lose <clears> the <throat> competitions and I needed to lose it fast. And that was back in the Atkins days, you know, where you're weighing out everything. It's like, okay, I can have yeah. a quarter of a tomato and <laughs> two slices of cucumber. And then I was like peeing on keto strips like a few times a day. So it's yeah. moved on. That, that whole philosophy is really evolved and changed and um, it sounds like there's well, a bit more evidence around now about how we can <laughs> relax it a little bit. Yeah, well, the, there's there's two approach. <coughs> excuse me, there's two approaches. So there's like what they call the cl classic keto, which was sort of born out of um, kids' treatment for epilepsy back in the early sort of twentieth century, uh, and that might that sounds like something that you are on. So the carb intake is fucking minimal. Oh, it was and, yeah negligible. And, yeah, and it's it's really high fat. So. You know, you're talking sort of 90% of your, your calories coming from fat. Whereas what I end up talking about, so I, I talk about the two, two sort of approaches. So there's the classic and then there's the mo what they call the modified Atkins. Yeah. Which gives you a little bit more bandwidth in terms of carb intake and protein intake. Um, and so I guess circling back around to, to me sort of, getting a bit soft around the edges around my messaging, this kind of, I guess it has a lot of synergy in that in that you get, there's more bandwidth, there's a bit more of a buffer. And I, and I'm, and I, I mentioned it a couple of times in the book, like I'm not saying that this is necessary to be in all the time. Like I sort of dip in and out various times of the year. Um, I actually used it to my advantage whilst writing the book I spent most of the time in ketosis and a lot of the time that came through fasting um, because I, I wanted my brain to be firing on high-octane fuel and I did whatever I could because I only had, you know, a short period of time really to write the book. So I would, you know, train in the morning, feel good about myself, walk into the library, set up uh, and crank out as many words as I could and I, I realized pretty early on that I had this um, attention span that, you know, I, I'd be cranking out words, cranking out words. And once I got to the end of my attention span, I would fall off the cliff. And I would spend the next sort of however many hours trying to, trying to conjure up, you know, the next few hundred words. And it was... Nah, it game was, over. Nah, I know yeah. that cliff. I know that cliff. I yeah. jumped off and so And so... I, and it's horrible and you, you sit there and you actually just waste time. It's just not, not a, an effective use of time. So I quickly learned that and I was like, right, how do I, how do I optimize my attention span? Like how do I get another half an hour, hour, two hours out of my productive day? And part of that picture was, you know, coffee, um, MCT. Uh, I was taking mushrooms. I was taking... Um, 
not magic mushrooms, but, you know, sort of cognitive no, enhancing. They're not good for attention spans. <laughs> <laughs> no, not, not at all. They're great, but, you know, you're not, not, not going to punch out 200 words. <laughs> no. In Bondi Library. Uh, no. That. Um, yeah, so, you know, Monday to Friday or certainly sort of three or four days a week, I was, I was fasting and, and it was beneficial. Like I was, I felt... I felt great. It's, it really served a purpose. And so when you say um, fasting, can you just like tell, tell us exactly what, like, what are you having? Uh, well, there's, there's a few ways to skin this cat, but for me, I would have a, a early dinner. Well, I mean, I typically do anyway. So yeah, you're a nana like anyway. <laughs> Seriously. I'm in bed by half eight. Um, so I'm having dinner about six and then upon waking, I'd have a, have a coffee, go to the gym. So I, I would train, I would train, um, without breakfast and then I get to the, get to the library and then I would work through, I might have another coffee. I might have, you know, as I said, various sort of, uh, supplements to help, um, with help, to help with cognitive uh, function uh, and the coffee obviously sort of helps to suppress appetite and then I wouldn't eat until late afternoon and so I might once I'm fasting I might only eat twice a day so I might have a fairly substantial lunch um, and then maybe a light dinner and then I'll go again wow cool yeah <laughs> so uh yeah, I mean, I mean, as I said, there's, there's a few different, like, there's a few different ways to skin that cat. But, but for me, um, I, I think also with fasting, if you're if you've never tried it, um, but you're interested and you want to give it a go, if you have been on a high carb diet for some time, I think it'll be a real challenge. I don't know, would you agree with that? I, I, I think your body would be screaming for food. Yeah, I think your stomach kind of gets used to how much food's supposed to go in. Like mm-hmm. it, it feels, it just takes a little while to flick over. Uh, I mean, a lot of my clients also have adrenal fatigue, so I'd probably modify the coffee part of, of that fast and yeah. do something else instead. But yeah, it does, look, it doesn't take long to, you know, to get to that place where you don't, like you don't associate that full weight in the stomach as being full do you know what I mean because it's Mm. I think at first when you're used to eating lots of stodgy foods and lots of carbs you associate that weight in the stomach that you feel as being satisfaction and and yeah yeah so it just takes a little while to kind of unlink that in the brain yeah yeah absolutely yeah Yeah, speaking of adrenal fatigue I've just I think I'm just uh recovering from a little spell I, I just had to shelve coffee for, yeah. I'm on um, day thirteen of no coffee, which is it just get, they just creep up on you. Hey, like yeah. I got to the point where I was having, you know, one maybe two bulletproof coffees, which are sh- stronger than regular coffees, and you know, I'd, I'd have at least six shots a day, which yeah, you know might not much. be a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> it's a yeah. lot, uh, and I was just getting, I could feel it. I just wasn't feeling great at all. Yeah. Um, and now, yeah, I'm 
couple of weeks not having coffee and it's it's amazing like you get this sort of uh perceived just dependency like you know you feel like oh i can't wake up unless i have my coffee i can't train unless i have my coffee but you can not, you can <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's very possible yeah um, <laughs> and yeah you're not riddled with like anxiety and you can look people in the eye and it's great oh, bonus <laughs> bonus yeah <laughs> well, do you drink? Do you, do you drink much coffee? Honey, I'm married to a barista. He also, oh Jesus! He also owns a cold brew coffee business. So, oh yes, Jesus. but but I yeah. I have one coffee a day every day. Mm. But I try to have one day off a week. Uh, yeah, because otherwise, I, I just never want to be in that position where I have a coffee free day and I have to deal with the headache and the withdrawals and all of that. So, I I schedule a CFD, a coffee free day in. Every, oh, yeah. every week someday you know it, it doesn't if the days change it doesn't have to be the same day every week but i schedule it in there so that i feel like i'm not addicted and then yeah but look most most other days i have one because how could yeah. you be married to a barista and not have him make you a beautiful coffee oh it just wouldn't be it's right love. Would it? it's love he might be crap in the kitchen but he's really good with the coffee <laughs> oh well that oh, makes up for it yeah, tenfold oh yeah yeah Totally. Yeah, it all makes sense to me now. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't understand what was going on before, but <laughs> <laughs> the dynamic can't, can't make a salad dressing, but yeah, yeah it makes make a coffee. mean coffee. Yeah, yeah. yeah. makes sense. Yeah, makes it's sense. All going to be okay, kids. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right, Scott. Well, all good things come to an end. I'd love to keep chatting with you, but I'm sure we both have things to do. So, thank you so so much for popping by. I'll put lots of links in the show notes. So, one to your website. Uh, and one to where they can buy your book as well. So the keto diet is out when and where? Uh, it was out last Thursday, so a week, a week ago it came out. So it should be in all good bookstores. If you don't have a local bookstore, uh, you can buy it online at Booktopia, Bookworld, um, and iTunes, and what's the other one, Amazon? Yep. Yep. So, yeah, no, no bloody excuse. No. Or you can buy the e-book as well. Beautiful. Now I know what I'm reading on the plane this weekend. Oh, good on you, Jules. <laughs> Thank you so much, Scott. You're an absolute My pleasure. Legend. It's been so much fun. Thank you so much, Jules. Thanks for having me. Okay, bye. Bye. I hope you enjoyed that chat with Scott Gooding. With any luck, he's inspired you to get back into the kitchen and start really creating. If you like this episode, make sure you hit subscribe because I've got plenty more episodes coming your way. They roll out once a fortnight here on iTunes and the Wellness Couch Network. If you'd like to see more about what I do, head over to julesgalloway.com. There's a free gift over there to help you get back on track to having more energy and healing adrenal fatigue. Plus, I also see clients via Skype and phone. So if you need a little extra help, why not book an appointment while you're there? Okay, that's all from me for now. Look after yourself out there, get into that kitchen and get cooking. Stay shiny and bye for now. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.